Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello and welcome to UFC 281 Adesanya versus Pereira preview. Um, it might be Pajeda. I don't really know how Brazilians say their um, last name, so if I mess that up, sorry. Um, I'm going to go with Pereira because that's what it looks like to me. Um, so we're going to go over the main card fights. Um, a little bit of like my insight on each one. Um, the prelim fights, I'll kind of give you a little bit of insight as I uh, think of it, you know. And um, then go over more in depth on the main card, my predictions for the fight, how I uh, see it going, or some like keys that I see in the fights. Um, and then go over like a little bit of my best bets kind of thing, like my picks um, that I would call more locks or so. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it with the card, um, the main card fights, shall I say. The main event, obviously, Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira for the UFC middleweight championship. Israel Adesanya is a minus 210 betting favorite. Uh, Alex Pereira is a plus 162 betting underdog on FanDuel. <clears throat> Israel Adesanya comes into this fight 4-1 and one in his last five fights, the lone loss coming to Jan Blachowicz when Izzy tried to become double champ at the light heavyweight uh, division. The wins coming over Paolo Costa by KO, Marvin Vittori, Robert Whitaker, and Jared Cannonier all by unanimous decision. Izzy is one of a kind in terms of striking and personality. Stylebender really seems like the perfect nickname for him. And even though he hasn't really shown the flashes of power and uh, finishing his fights with the highlight reel knockouts that maybe he did when he started coming up or the the uh, highlight reel KO against Robert Whitaker to originally win the title, uh, he's every bit as sharp as he was when he first took over the division. Um, Pereira comes into this fight 5-0 and in his last five fights with a total MMA professional record of just 6-1 and after transitioning from a pure kickboxing profession beforehand. Uh, his wins in the UFC have come against Andreas, I'm going to mess this up because he's Greek, Mikhailidis, I think is how you say it, Bruno Silva, and most recently, Sean Strickland at UFC 276. Everyone knows Pereira beat Izzy twice in kickboxing, once by decision and once by knockout, and that's obviously the main draw to this fight. Um, ESPN even has a thing right now, I don't know if it's just ESPN Plus or if you can check it out on just any ESPN streaming service. Um... But they have a thing right now that goes over the first two kickboxing bouts between these two and kind of Izzy's insight into it and Pereira's insight into it. Um, into it. Each side kind of just giving their opinions on what happened and uh, what they f feel like is going to uh, be different maybe in the fights. It's a little short two and a half or three minute clip. Um, Izzy basically says um, he won the first fight by decision and they gave it to Pereira for whatever reason. And the second fight, he was winning, and Pereira got lucky on his combo and knocked him out. You obviously know Pereira's going to say it different, but it's just kind of interesting to actually see it instead of just seeing the knockout finish that Pereira had in the second fight. Um, the difference in striking will be the key to the fight. I will highlight that later on in the prediction part of uh, this podcast. Not, uh, not that this isn't a prediction bit, but more specifically and in-depth later. Uh, the next fight, the co-main event, Carla Esparza is defending the UFC Women's Strawweight Championship against Zhang Wei Li. 
Uh, Whaley is the minus 400 betting favorite. Esparza plus 285 underdog. Esparza is 5-0 and in her last five fights. Five fights. Which kind of shocked me to think about because I wasn't thinking of her being on a hot streak before the weird fight with uh, Thug Rose last time out. Anyways, the wins obviously came over Rose Namajunas by split decision in the last time out. Um, Yan Jionan, she knocked out in round two. Mahina Rodriguez, she beat by split decision. Uh, Michelle Watterson Gomez as well, split decision victory. And Alexa Grasso, a majority decision. Uh, known for her wrestling, Esparza is as tough as they come in MMA, rarely being finished inside the octagon with two knockout losses and two submission losses in 26 professional bouts. Zhang Weili comes in 3-2 and two in her last five fights, both losses coming at the hands of Rose Nami Yunus in championship bouts, the first coming by KO in the first round and the second by split decision. The three wins came against Joanna Zajacek, a split decision in that first fight of the year, one of the best MMA fights of all time, and then a knockout in their rematch, and then Jessica Andras, she won by KO to originally win the strawweight title. Whaley is a more well-rounded fighter, although after her first loss to Thug Rose, she took more of a wrestling-heavy approach and began training with Henry Cejudo at Fight Ready Camp to sharpen that skill set. So it'll be very interesting to me to uh, see how uh, this fight plays out, if it's on the feet or grappling. Then we have what a lot of people are expecting to be the best fight actually on the card. Uh, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler in the lightweight division. Poirier minus 230 betting favorite and Chandler plus 176 underdog. Poirier is 3-2 in his last five fights. Losses coming to Charles Oliveira and Habib Nurmagomedov, both by submission. The wins coming over Dan Hooker by unanimous decision and Conor McGregor twice. Both knockout wins, although one of them was a doctor's stoppage. And interestingly, he's listed as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter instead of a striker. Uh, having a 15-2 record in fights decided by KO and a 6-3 record in submission fights. Poirier's last fight against Oliveira was in December of last year, but he's been training and open to being the last-minute replacement in any major fight that he could fill in for in the last year for the last-minute substitutions, most notably the Nate Diaz-Hamzat Shimaya fight when he said he was open to uh, being there within you know so many hours to uh, prepare and do all the duties that were necessary. Um, so yeah, we know he's not just coming off a year of sitting on the couch before he'd come into this fight. Chandler is three and two in his last five losses to Charles Oliveira by knockout and Justin Gaethje by unanimous decision are sandwiched by wins over Dan Hooker by knockout and Tony Ferguson by knockout. Chandler is two and two in the UFC, but is undoubtedly already one of the most popular fighters in the sport. His explosiveness in the cage and the personality outside of it, giving everyone a reason to cheer for him. Then we have a fight I'm looking forward to, maybe not for the end result, but just to see uh, Frankie Edgar plus 186 betting underdog in his final UFC fight taking on Chris Gutierrez in the bantamweight division with Gutierrez being a minus 245 betting favorite. Frankie Edgar comes into his final UFC fight having gone 1-4 in, in the last five, the lone win coming via split decision over Pedro Munoz in August of 2020. The loss is coming at the hands of Max Holloway by unanimous decision with the Korean Zombie, Corey Sandhagen, and Marlon Chito Vera all knocking him out. It's been one heck of a career for Frankie, and regardless of the outcome, he has the amazing achievements to look back on and be proud of inside of the octagon. Gutierrez comes into this fight 4-0-1 in his last five, the draw coming against Cody Durden and wins over uh, 
nobodies, like people known, <laughs> casual fans aren't going to recognize. Um, it's either been by KO or Decision. I don't know nearly as much about Gutierrez myself as I do about Edgar, but the 18-3-2 professional record suggests he's quite good, and his recent form suggests he knows how to deliver a beating and survive one when it's necessary. The first fight to come on the main card will be Dan Hooker versus Claudio Puelles in the lightweight division. Dan Hooker a minus 172 favorite and Puelles being a plus 134 underdog. Dan Hooker is 1-4 in, in his last five fights, although one of the losses came to Islam Makashev after accepting the bout on a short notice uh, agreement a month after his win over Nasra Hakparast. Excuse me. His other losses have come at the hands of Arnold Allen by KO most recently, Michael Chandler by KO in his debut fight in the UFC, and Dustin Poirier by unanimous decision. So you can't say that he's fighting scrubs in the division. Hooker's stock has clearly taken a fall. Uh, going from a unanimous decision fight going against Dustin Poirier to being knocked out by a rising prospect in Arnold Allen, but he's still a fan favorite who isn't afraid to stand and trade or put it all on the line to get a victory. Puelles is an up-and-coming prospect in the UFC, riding a five-fight win streak into this fight, the last victory coming over Clay Guida by submission with two further victories via submission and two via unanimous decision. Uh, Puelles is an explosive athlete similar to Michael Chandler in terms of athletic pedigree, but is more reliant on his grappling ability and ground game than his hands. Alright, now that I've uh, gone through the main card fights, we'll go over the prelims. Probably not in as much detail as uh, <laughs> the main card. Maybe a couple that I know off the top of my head I could give you more information about, but... The featured prelim on this card is Brad Riddell versus Renato Moicano. In the lightweight division, Riddell, the underdog, but still minus 104, whereas Moicano, the favorite, is minus 122. I love Hinato Moicano after his last time out. I think I get into that a little bit more later on. Um, definitely is uh, having his stock go up in the UFC lately. Dominic Reyes taking on Ryan Spann in the light heavyweight division. Dominic Reyes, a minus 230 favorite versus Ryan Spain, a plus Span, Jesus. My phone thinks that it's an Illinois representative fighting Dominic Reyes. Oof. Ryan Spann, I'm sorry. Plus 176 betting underdog. Um, Reyes returns to the octagon for the first time since the brutal knockout loss to Yuri Prohaska in May of last year. Having gone 2-3 in his last five fights, losing to John Jones and Jan Blachowicz as well. For the first time in a long time, Reyes won't be the longer or taller fight in, uh, or fighter in the octagon. Span holds an inch uh, in height and two inches in reach over Reyes. Span is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter who also has power in his hands. Uh, Reyes will need to be on his A-game to avoid the upset here. And honestly, it's one that I could see happening, although I did not put it in my best bets. It's probably more of a take-at-your-own-risk pick, if you ask me. But still not a bad one, either. Uh, next fight, one I'm excited for, Aaron Blanchfield versus Molly McCann in the women's flyweight division. Meatball Molly is the three, plus 320 underdog. Aaron Blanchfield, the up-and-coming 23-year-old prospect, a minus 460 betting favorite. Um, next fight on the card, Andre Petrowski, Petrowski, a minus 210 favorite over Wellington Terman. Plus 162 is the underdog in the middleweight division. Matt Frivola, minus 102 Underdog versus Ottoman Azaitir. I can't say that name correctly. Uh, minus 125 favorite in the lightweight division. 
Carolina Kovalchuk, I think is how you say her name. Uh, minus 120 betting favorite versus Silvana Gomez Juarez. Ooh, that was brutal. Minus 104 underdog in the women's strawweight division. I would like the underdog in that fight. Kovalchuk has not done much in the UFC to make me believe in those um, stocks. Stonks. Uh, Michael Trezano, plus 138 underdog versus Sung Woo Choi. I'm not going to say that name right, so I just slowed it down. I'm sorry. Um, Sung Woo Choi is minus 178 betting favorite in the featherweight division. This is another name I'm going to say wrong. I already know it. Julio Arce, Arce, plus 172 betting underdog versus Montel Jackson, minus 225 betting favorite in the bantamweight division. Excuse me. And a firecracker to start off the card, Carlos Ulberg, minus 132 betting favorite versus Nikolai Negomarianu, plus 104 in the light heavyweight division. That one could go either way, but someone is probably going to sleep and early in that fight. All right, I'll give you a little more main card predictions, a little more in-depth insight on what I think is going to happen in the main card of the event. We'll start, should we start at the top or the bottom? Let's start, let's start at the bottom. We'll start with uh, Hooker versus Pueles. Hooker versus Pueles. Pueles is explosive and exciting, but he still is a prospect more or less in the UFC. Uh, Hooker, on the other hand, has all the experience and skills to take this fight wherever Pueles wants to go. I think Pueles may have moments in this fight where he looks dangerous, but in the end, whether it's by finish or decision, I expect Hooker to find a way to win. Edgar versus Gutierrez. As I said earlier, I know significantly less about Gutierrez than I do about Frankie. Um, I love Edgar, and I think he's had one heck of a career. But if Gutierrez shows any sort of power or precision striking in this fight, Frankie's chin has always been a weakness, and I could see it. Um, I could see him being uh, finished if Gutierrez can piece him up. Even if it's late on in a fight that Edgar looks like he's winning, um, if you want an example, his fight against Marlon Chito Vera, uh, he was knocked out with less than a minute in the fight after looking like he was dominating it in terms of getting him to the ground or even evading dangerous strikes and throwing some counters of his own and gets knocked out at literally the 350 mark of round number three. I really don't want to pick against Frankie, so I'll hope that he wins by decision or submission, but I think it's more likely he's going to get finished by the end of the fight. Next, we have Poirier versus Chandler, and I just, what a fight. I mean, this has the makings to be fight of the year. We got two fan favorites, two crowd pleasers, two guys willing to weigh it all on the line to get a victory inside of the cage. Poirier has had more time off and is coming in off a loss to Oliveira in the title bout, but he's been the longer-tenured UFC fighter and has more impressive wins and fights that come to mind, which rightfully makes him the favorite in this bout. Chandler is coming off the highlight reel front kick knockout of Tony Ferguson and has his sights set on the entire lightweight division. Say he'll fight anyone from McGregor to Islam Akashev. Um, the explosiveness and strength that Chandler has in this weight class is hard to prepare for, and it's part of the reason he's been so successful in MMA between Bellator, UFC, and any other ventures that he's had. I think this fight is very likely to go to go to the dis, go to the judges go for a decision. Oof, that was brutal. As neither guy is easy to put away by knockout or submission. Really, I have no confidence in picking a winner. But if I had to, I'd say Poirier simply just because he's more of a well-rounded fighter and battle-tested in the UFC. Not by much, but in terms of being well-rounded, because Chandler is extremely strong in just about every facet of the game. 
I just think Poirier's got the pedigree in the UFC and less likely to be finished. So I will take Poirier in this one. Uh, Esparza versus Whaley, the co-main event on the card. Esparza is tough, but Whaley has um, been becoming more well-rounded and diverse in her abilities. A strong striker with a developing ground game can definitely change, um, challenge the champion here, my bad, but it will not be easy. In the last fight, Esparza fought one of the most boring and like the weirdest fight I've ever seen against Rose Namajunas to win the title. Um, if you didn't see that fight, you missed quite literally nothing. I think I didn't write it down because I'm just thinking of this off the top of my head. I want to say they landed like a total of under 25 strikes through five rounds and then went to a split decision to decide the champion. Regardless, this fight will be much different for her with Whaley's pressure and advances being much more aggressive than that of Thug Rose. I see Zhang Whaley winning here and likely before the final bell. If you want me to be extremely specific, I will say a knockout in round four. Esparza is hard to put away, so regardless of what Whaley throws at her, it's not going to uh, be a first shot knockout or anything crazy like that. It will take time to do it. Now to the main event, Adesanya versus Pereira. Adesanya has started fighting uh, like the stereotypical UFC champion since his win over Paulo Costa, fighting not to lose rather than to win the fight. Instead of going for the kill against people he clearly is above in terms of skills, Izzy likes to play with his food a little bit because he knows most times he's the tougher or better fighter inside the cage. Pereira, on the other hand, has lights out power on any of the strikes that he throws, and he knows it. So he's patient in his approach and waits until the best moment tactically to throw the kill shot. Excuse me? You can see it in all of his UFC fights so far to date, Sean Strickland in the last fight especially, where he'll land a few shots, or maybe just one big shot, and then he just stores that uh, information in his head. It gets the guy's attention, and just puts that in the back of his mind. And then later on, um, when he opens up, like the other guy starts throwing strikes, or he's throwing a little bit more, he'll throw that same strike again and get the bigger reaction. It's kind of like how Izzy says he's downloading, quote-unquote, in the first round of most of his fights, getting like the timing and reading his opponent opponent's movements. Um, Pereira kind of does that same thing, except he's more lethal when it comes to uh, acting on um, the things that he's throwing, uh, going back to the well, things such as that. I think Izzy will actually have to fight in this uh, in this fight, um, with Pereira possessing the power to put the lights out whenever he so chooses. However, I think Izzy is the sharper striker and likely can land the crisper shots and defend better than Pereira. Need I remind you that the fight Izzy did lose by knockout in their kickboxing rematch, he had been winning the fight before being knocked out really late on. Um, as long as Izzy doesn't get careless, I see him winning this one. This fight will likely either be short or it will see to round 5 at least. I don't see it ending within the 2-4 to four round distance of the scheduled 5. I think it will either be early or like late round five to decision kind of deal. Um, yeah, the, this one's got a lot of like question marks over it, and it's going to be one where people are like on edge, ang anxiously tapping their foot off the ground watching because it could end at any second. I think it'll be really interesting. What I think is going to happen, which you could tell by my prediction, is they're going to be more of a kickboxing match. What would really be interesting is if Adesanya decided for whatever reason he was going to grapple with Pereira. 
Um, I'm kind of laughing saying that right now. I'm trying to hold it back, but <laughs> it would just be funny if uh, Adesanya trolled everybody and just started wrestling prayer and get him to the ground and just do stuff like that instead of actually striking. I don't think that happens, but it's definitely a possibility. Who am I kidding? They're going to kickbox each other. Uh, anyways, last little segment on here, my best bets. Um, I got three that I would suggest maybe not actively taking, but at least looking at yourself, and then one take-at-your-own-risk pick. Uh, Israel Adesanya to win by decision at plus 130 odds is my first pick. As I said above, as long as Izzy doesn't get complacent or force strikes where they're risky, I think he has good enough defense to survive even the worst of attacks and can likely land the better combos and strikes to get the points built up um, to win on the scorecards. So, I like Israel Adesanya by decision. Another prop that would be good would be something like over three and a half rounds, I would say. But, um, yeah, I would just go Adesanya to win by decision. My next pick, Dustin Poirier to win by KOTKO or decision. The double chance prop offered on FanDuel. It's a minus 165 um, odds on the odds. I can see either guy winning this fight, but Poirier seems to me like right now that he's lost the championship fights. He'll likely go for big money fights, and to do that, you need to win and do it in highlight reel and convincing fashion. I see him going crazy, um, trying to get a finish, and I think um, Chandler's more susceptible to being finished. Like I can't think of the last time Poirier was truly rocked or in danger besides losing to Charles Oliveira. So in that context, I say he either wins by knockout or gets the decision victory. My third and final pick is Hanato Moicano to win at minus 122. The last time Moicano graced the octagon, he came into a fight against Rafael dos Anjos on short notice and took an absolute beating over the entire fight while still throwing and trading until the clock ran out of time. He became a fan favorite that night, and if he can survive that, he can do one better and get the victory here. I like Moicano to win minus 122. That's going to be the one I go furthest in on, I would imagine. The chin that he had on him and the power that he threw back even when he was most hurt. I mean, you can go watch this fight back and tell me that I'm wrong. He did get beat up. I'm not saying he won this fight by any means. But even in the final round of the fight against Dos Anjos, I just remember he's still throwing shots like he's in there to win it. Even though his face is completely busted and he's struggling to stay up on his feet. Moicano, like I said, became a fan favorite that night. And I'd like him to win in a fight that he's actually prepared for. My last take-at-your-own-risk pick, which I just want to tell you, I won either two or three of these in a row. So maybe just, uh, I'm not saying take this and put your entire bank account on it, but you might just want to at least look at it. I said Molly McCann to win at plus 320. Meatball won't go down without a fight. We all know that. I'm not saying to ring the alarm bells for an upset or anything like that, but don't be surprised if Molly McCann forces her will upon Aaron Blanchfield and wins in an ugly clinching grappling fight along the cage, or maybe even a slugfest in the center of the octagon. I have no idea. Um, Meatball has gone, I believe, 6-3 and three in the UFC, but the superstar rise since her knockout on the same card as Patty Pimblett one night and the friendship that those two have has propelled her to essentially like the Sugar Sean O'Malley, Patty the Batty hype of being the uh, fight night um, fight night card person where you're like the hype is there for like a third fight on a fight night or an undercard of a pay-per-view like this um, where the name gets pin like pinned onto it and people go, I'm going to watch for that. Um, 
yeah, I just I think Molly McCann has a chance to win. Blanchfield is still, like I said, mentioned earlier, like I said and mentioned earlier, twenty three years old and still considered a prospect in the UFC. Whereas McCann is battle tested as they come, can get a finish, or she can just work it until you uh, give up in clinch scenarios and uh, yeah, beat you down on the cage to win it. So that's my take at your own risk pick, Molly McCann. That is my UFC 281 Adesanya versus Pereira preview. Um, I will come back, obviously, with the recap. I don't know if it'll be Sunday, Monday, when it'll be, but I will be back with that soon. Um, so I'll talk to you guys next time. Enjoy the card on Saturday night. I think I'm putting this out on Thursday. So enjoy the card on Saturday. Let me know if you have any ideas on what's going to go down. Um, let me know what you think, and I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.